Hey guys, it's James, and just James. Sam is not able to uh, record tonight. He's been overworked to the point of near death. Uh, rip in peace, Samuel, but he'll, he'll be fine. Uh, he worked really hard this past weekend. He was too exhausted to record yesterday, so we were hoping maybe, just maybe, he would be okay to record today, but I don't know why we thought a Monday would be easy. He worked all day today, and as soon as he got home, he went straight to sleep. So I will be recording this episode alone. Um, his work is expected to calm down a little bit soon, so this is not going to be a permanent thing. I know you guys don't want to listen to just me because I fucking suck, but uh, this week is just me. And this weekend is also going to be just me because we have an interview coming up and Sam's going to be out of town, so I'm going to have to do the interview by myself. It's going to be a little weird, but fuck it, I, I got this. I, can, I, I can't do this. I suck. But uh, getting into it, this week's first article was posted by Ryan Bauer on Friday, August 23rd. The headline is, ICE shut down a hotline for detained immigrants after it was featured on Orange is the New Black. Uh, in the fifth episode of the last season of Netflix's Orange is the New Black, the character Mar Maritza... I don't watch the show anymore, fuck off. The character Maritza, who has been languishing in an immigrant detention center, finds out about a toll-free hotline she can call to get a free lawyer. As she's rejoicing, another character, Gloria, cuts her off. Gloria warns Maritza, You have to be careful, though. Apparently, if they figure out you're using the hotline, Big Brother shuts it down. And that's exactly what happened, uh, advocates say. Immigration and Customs Enforcement shut down a real hotline for detained immigrants run by the California group Freedom for Immigrants less than two weeks after it was prominently featured on the show. Freedom for Immigrants, which runs visitation programs in detention centers across the country, responded Thursday with a cease and desist letter char uh, charging that the termination is a violation of free speech and amounts to retaliation by the government in an attempt to silence one of its prominent critics. Uh, six actors from Orange is the New Black and more than 100 organizations signed a letter to, uh, to acting ICE director Matthew Albans, cool name, uh, demanding that the line be restored. Uh, quote, even a freely given benefit such as the pro bono hotline can't be taken away simply because the government is now unhappy with how we are sharing with the public uh, what we know from our communications with people inside, uh, said Krista Fialho. I hope that's how you say that. Uh, co-executive director of Freedom for Immigrants. ICE told Freedom for Immigrants that toll-free numbers for pro bono attorneys uh, and organizations must be approved by the Executive Office for Immigration Review, which oversees the immigration courts uh, every three years, and those no longer appearing on the EOIR list will be removed from the system. The numbers are extensions issued by the phone service provider. Uh, Talton Communications as 1-800 numbers don't work within detention facilities. Oof. Uh, detainees must pay for calls to all other numbers. ICE spokesperson Sean Nedor, Nedoir? I don't know. 
strange name, looks French, uh, did not respond to a list of specific questions about the termination of the Freedom for Immigrants hotline, but he said detainees are allowed to make free calls to legal service providers on the ICE-approved list for the purpose of obtaining initial legal representation. Uh, pro bono organizations found to be violating these rules may be removed from the platform, he says. Uh, Freedom for Immigrants has held a national toll-free immigrant detention hotline since 2013 when it started a visitation program in Miami. Some months, uh, some months the organization received 14,000 calls from detainees around the country, uh, many of them held in rural facilities with no money to call friends or family. Volunteers who staff the phone lines connect immigrants to lawyers, help them gather necessary documents for the immigration case, and assist them in filing complaints about rights violations and abuse. Last year, ICE stopped allowing a volunteer group to visit people at the Ote Mesa Detention Center in San Diego uh, after members refused to sign an agreement to not talk with the media or other groups about con conditions inside. Fialho said that in October, uh, less than a week after the organization sent ICE a letter charging that the shutdown was retaliatory, the agency restricted the previously national hotline to eight facilities in Florida. In response, uh, Representative Juan Vargas, a uh, Democrat in San Diego, and 14 other members of Congress sent ICE's deputy director a letter requesting more information and calling the restriction troubling which it fucking is. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty cut and dry. Uh, this is people trying to work around the government to help people who have been fucked by the government and the government getting pissy and retaliatory. They, they don't like it when people stand up to them and they do anything in their power, which is a lot, uh, to silence anyone who speaks out to to shut anything down because it goes beyond their control if they cannot control it they will eliminate it and that's exactly what's going on here people are trying to help immigrants um that are being detained illegally more than likely um they're trying to help these people out and the government doesn't have control over this so they seized control by means of shutting it down and that's entirely fucked up. Sam, what do you think? Sam's not here. I am alone, and this is fucking weird. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next article was... God damn it. The next article was posted by Sam. Fucking bastard. Wednesday, August 21st. Uh, headline is, The U.S. Seeks Longer Detentions for Migrant Families. Funny how that works out. Uh, the Trump administration moved to allow the government to indefinitely detain families crossing the U.S.-Mexico border uh, and supersede a decades-old court settlement that both limits how long migrant children can be held in custody and sets standards for their care. The new rules are the Republican administration's latest effort to tighten immigration laws on its own, with Congress long unable to agree on any legal overhaul. Wednesday's policy change could permit authorities to detain families through the duration of their immigration proceedings rather than release them or separate children uh, from their detained parents. Immigration rights advocates uh, are expected to challenge the rules in federal court where they have blocked the administration before. Uh, a legal challenge would likely keep the policy from taking immediate effect, which, good, 
that if that's the least we can do, it's the least we can do. Uh, administration officials say the new rules are intended to discourage family members from attempting to cross the border together in the belief that they will gain an advantage in lodging their asylum claims uh, because of the current detention limits for children. No child should be used as a pawn to scheme our immigration system, uh, said Acting Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kevin McElinan. McElinan. What's with these weird names? On Wednesday, uh, President Trump said he hoped the new rules, along with other immigration policies, would deter migrant families from risking their lives on a, on a perilous journey uh, to the U.S. border. When, when they see you can't get into the United States, or when they see uh, if you get, do get into the United States, they will be brought back to their country, they won't come, Trump said on Wednesday. The administration's new detention rules seek to bypass a 1997 settlement known as the Flores Agreement, which governs the treatment of immigrant children in government care. Um, a, court, a court ruling on the settlement during the Obama administration barred the government from keeping children with their parents in, in immigration detention centers for longer than 20 days. This new rule flies in the face of years of clear direction from the courts and follows this administration's uh, disturbing pattern of attempting to restrict or outright eliminate legitimate pathways for immigrants to come to the United States legally, uh, said Todd Schult, president of Forward US, Forward .US uh, a pro-immigration lobbying group. Uh, the government must next file a brief on the legality of its plan with a federal court in Los Angeles overseeing the continuing implementation of the Flores Agreement. The judge in question, U.S. Uh, District Judge Dolly M. G. That's what? Dolly M. G. <laughs> most recently ordered the, gov uh, the government in June to drastically improve the conditions of children in its custody saying, among other things, that it must provide the children soap and toothbrushes. Holy fuck. They had to be told to provide soap and toothbrushes. Holy fuck. Uh, the current 20-day detention limit specifies that the government may not detain children beyond that period unless they are housed in a state-licensed facility. The two largest facilities designed to house families, both in Texas, aren't licensed to house children beyond 20 days. Uh, to circumvent that requirement, the new set of rules would enable DHS to create its own licensing system, effectively allowing the government to house families in any of its detention facilities through their court proceedings until they are either granted asylum, paroled into the U.S., or deported. Mr. Trump also said he was once again considering an executive order to end what is known as birthright citizenship. Ah! The automatic right to citizenship granted to anyone born in the U.S. regardless of the parent's citizenship status. Oh my god. He's going to abolish citizenship. Yes, fucking do it. Do it. Whew. Okay. So lots of shit going on with this one. Um, first off, they shouldn't be detaining these people at all to begin with. Uh, 
immigration is a fucking mess right now and everything they're doing to, to throw at immigration to try and slow it down or stop it and all this, it's outright human rights violations, period. You can't restrict people's right to movement unless it is on specifically your property. Your right to restrict movement begins and ends at your property line. State borders are bullshit, period. Um, this whole thing of you crossed, a, you crossed an imaginary line, I'm going to lock you up and not even give you soap and a toothbrush? Like, stop. Uh, he's definitely right about one thing. It, it will deter people uh, because nobody wants to be subjected to that. No one wants to cross the border and go straight to fucking prison, straight to a concentration camp. Um, it's a bunch of bullshit that he's even doing this and it's even more bullshit that there is legitimacy behind it. Uh, but I say we go Area 51 style, let all of Mexico come over, we can't stop all of them. Fuck immigration, fuck citizenship, fuck it all, move freely. And the whole thing about uh, abolishing birthright citizenship, I want to see that happen. I want that to happen. There will be no such thing as an American citizen anymore. And that's fucking awesome. Do it, Trump, you're a dumbass. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Our next article is posted by Ryan Bauer, uh, Tuesday, August 20th. The headline is, The U.S. won't provide flu vaccines to migrant families at border detention camps. Jesus fucking Christ. So first, no soap, no toothbrushes. Now, no flu vaccines. Now, I know some of you guys are on the fence about the legitimacy of flu vaccines. Frankly, I'm on the fence myself. But, come on. They, they're, they're in... A dirty area. They're they're in effectively what Trump described as a shithole country. That's where they are right now, and he's not even going to keep them from getting sick. This into the article, into the article. The U.S. won't be vaccinating migrant families in holding centers ahead of this year's flu season, despite calls from doctors to boost efforts to fight the infection that's killed at least three children in detention facilities in the past year. Uh, quote, in general, due to the short-term nature of CBP holding uh, and the complexities of operating vaccination programs, uh, neither CBP nor its medical contractors administer the vaccines or administer vaccinations to those in our custody, a Customs and Border Protection spokeswoman said in an emailed statement. Uh, at least three children who were held in detention centers after crossing into the U.S. from Mexico have died in recent months, in part from the flu, according to a letter to uh, Reps, Reps Rosa DeLauro uh, de Con, whatever, uh, and Lucille Roybal Allard, Roybal Allard, fun name, uh, de California, um, from several doctors urging Congress to investigate health conditions at the centers. Uh, the U.S. or the United States had previously gone almost a decade without any children dying while under U.S. immigration custody. I feel like that's probably because of the lack of children that were in custody. That, that kind of makes the most sense. Uh, quote, I can tell you from personal experience that child deaths are rare events. Harvard Pediatrics professor Dr. Jonathan Winnikoff, <laughs> Winnikoff said in an email, <laughs> Winnikoff signed on to the August 1st letter with forensic pathologist uh, Judy Melanek 
and Johns Hopkins public health professors Dr. Joshua Scharfstein and Dr. Paul Spiegel, 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 however you say that. Uh, they were said. Uh, they said the U.S. death rate in children from the flu is about 1 in 600,000. So far, three children have died out of the 200,000 people held at detention facilities along the border, they wrote. Uh, when I learned the multiple, that multiple children had died in detention from potentially preventable causes, it truly disturbed me, Winnikoff says. Uh, the country needs urgent answers to that question so that children stop dying in detention. Uh, Winnikoff said that current holding conditions, like being placed in close proximity to other immigrants, make it easy to spread infectious diseases from person to person. No shit. He added that contracting the flu weakens a child's immune system, making it harder to fight other illnesses. A child might start out with the flu, but then die from another infection, he added. If conditions don't improve, Dr. Julie Linton, chair of the American Economy, Academy of Pediatrics Council on Immigration, Child, and Family Health, Jesus fuck that's a mouthful, uh, said more children will needlessly die. Uh, there's a number of things we can do to prevent deaths and infection. Those do not include holding children in cage-like facilities and warehouses. Damn straight. Children come into holding centers with a sense of resilience, uh, potentially stronger immune systems. But the stress from being held there against their will can cause immune systems to tank, she says. Uh, that paired with the unsanitary conditions, such as open toilets and insufficient supplies to wash hands, is a breeding ground for infection, Linton added. Yeah, yeah, they're being held in close proximity in disgusting conditions with other people who are in close proximity and in disgusting conditions. It's nothing but... Uh, infectious, contagious diseases being tossed around like a hot potato over there. They are creating an environment that will get them sick to the point of dying. Um, now, like they did say, there are solutions, and those do not include holding kids in cages. Um, I think the best solution is stop fucking detaining people. As I said earlier, your right to restrict migration begins and ends at your property line. If you don't want Mexicans coming to your property, don't let Mexicans on your property, you racist piece of shit. Um, but there's no reason for any of this. This whole thing is bullshit perpetuating the scary Mexican boogeyman. There's no sense for it, and people are fucking dying from getting just enough care to lock them up, but not enough care to keep them alive. It's disgusting and makes me ashamed of this country. I mean, I already am ashamed, but more so now. Fuck America. All right. Uh, so continuing, um, next article is posted by Ryan Bauer, Saturday, August 17th. Shell workers in Pennsylvania say they were told to either attend a recent Trump event or not get paid. Ain't that something. Trump's booming voice filled the confines of the new Shell Pennsylvania petrochemicals complex in western Pennsylvania on Tuesday as the crowd, consisting of mostly male construction workers in orange and yellow construction vests, listened attentively. The president's rally-style speech—kind of sounds like Hitler— uh, which a senior administration official described as not a political event but an official event— 
uh, included jabs at Senator Elizabeth Warren and former Vice President Joe Biden, calls for union leaders to support him in 2020, a warning that Democrats would take their jobs, oh my god, and taking credit for the complex, which is still under construction and was first announced in 2012 when former President Barack Obama was still in office. <sighs> in addition to the ethical concerns of the speech, which was expected to focus on energy, uh, but instead transformed into a full-on campaign rally, no shit, uh, despite being funded by taxpayer dollars, which are not supposed to go towards political campaigns. Hmm. The Pittsburgh, Post, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on Friday revealed another red flag. Uh, the workers in the crowd didn't, attempt, uh, didn't attend Trump's event by choice. Rather, they had to attend in order to get their paychecks. Uh, while attendance was not mandatory, union workers who didn't show up had to forfeit their pay, similar to if they had opted to skip work for the day, according to uh, the Post-Gazette. One contractor referencing a memo sent to union leaders in, by Shell told employees that they would only be paid if they showed up at 7 a.m., scanned their ID cards, and prepared to stand for hours through lunch. Uh, no scan, no pay, they were told. Workers were also told no yelling, shouting, protesting, or anything viewed as resistance will be tolerated at the event. An underlying theme of the, events, or of the event is to promote goodwill from the unions. Your building trade leaders uh, and job stewards have agreed to this. Huh. An anonymous union leader told the Post-Gazette that one day of work could amount to around $700 in pay, benefits, and per diem payment uh, for out-of-town workers. Other union leaders added that they were not consulted about the arrangement in advance. Shell spokesperson uh, Curtis Smith told Business Insider that Tuesday was treated as a training work day uh, with a guest speaker who happened to be the president. We do these several times a year with various speakers. Uh, the morning session uh, from 7 to 10 a.m. included safety training and other work-related activities. Totally. It was understood uh, some would choose not to attend the presidential visit and take paid time off, PTO, instead. Uh, however, the company told the Post-Gazette that those who opted not to attend would have an excused but not paid absence. Uh, when asked for clarification on those conflicting statements, Smith told Business Insider, yes, that was also an option. Uh, Business Insider uh, then questioned Smith as to why workers would opt to take an excused but not paid absence over PTO. Uh, PTO comes from a personal account of accrued hours. Yeah, anyone who's, who's worked a job knows this. <laughs> Uh, Smith told Business Insider that on-site workers have a 56-hour work week, oof, which provides for 16 hours of overtime. As such, workers who didn't attend Trump's speech and took the PTO would not be eligible to receive that overtime and would be paid at the regular rate. In comparison, workers who did not or who did attend the speech and showed up for work later in the week would be paid at a rate of time and a half. As noted by the Post-Gazette, this is despite the fact that both groups did not work on the site Tuesday. 
So this whole thing is bullshit. Very obviously not what they say is going on. They're trying to play it up to be some kind of official business going on where, oh, it's just a training day with a guest speaker who happens to be the president. They literally said it turned into a political rally, which he's not supposed to be using his money for anyways, but here we are using stolen tax dollars for a bullshit business meeting with a bunch of unions and the, the whole the whole thing is just shit on top of shit and doing it anyways and the, the union leaders uh, that are involved in organizing this are fully supporting it they're all for it to the point where they will throw their own workers under the bus if they don't go through with this um, it's not to say they're going to withhold pay for the whole period because that would be some fucked shit. But their job for that day becomes attend the Trump rally, not attend the training day with a guest speaker. It literally is attend the Trump rally because that's what it turned into. And it's, it's bullshit. They are given choices, just shitty choices. If you want your full pay, you do your job that day and your day is supporting Trump or your job is supporting Trump. And if you if you don't go to this Trump rally, you can use your PTO, which won't be at your time and a half rate, or you can not use any PTO and take the day off without pay. And plenty of these people probably are not ready or able to take that kind of financial hit. So they're put in such a situation where they have to go to this Trump rally because that that's literally what happened. They probably did not plan their funds according to taking a whole day with no pay or a day where they didn't get their time and a half pay. So in order to put food on their tables as they are used to, to keep their life going as they have become accustomed to it, they have to go to a Trump rally. And it's, it's bullshit that it's come to this. I think it's a little laughable that they have to use threats like this to, to make Donald Trump appear uh, likable and personable and all this bullshit. I think that's a little funny, but the underlying truth here is that it is disgusting that they're going to threaten these people's livelihood uh, for attending or not attending a Trump rally. It's, it's fucking, it's stupid. Anyhow, I could go on about that for a minute and probably end up getting redundant. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our next article uh, posted by Ryan Bauer, Thursday, August 22nd. Uh, headline is, the trade war is going so well that Trump might bail out Apple. It goes to read, uh, while speaking to reporters at the White House on Tuesday, President Donald Trump uh, tried to argue that his trade war was sapping China of its economic strength. Instead, instead he inadvertently pointed out how the trade war is also hurting American companies and seemed to suggest that his administration could be preparing to bail out the world's most profitable businesses. Funny. Uh, if I didn't help certain companies, uh, American companies, like Apple, Trump said, <clears throat> before promising any assistance given to Apple would be, uh, for a very short period of time, until the tech firm was able to relocate its supply chains out of China. <laughs> 
If I didn't help them, they would have a big problem, Trump said. Given the White House's haphazard handling of the trade war and both president, both the president's uh, propensity, words, propensity for going off message, it's hard to say what exactly Trump will do. But it is notable that he seems to be considering uh, such a deal. Just days after having dinner with the Apple CEO, Tim Cook, uh, after that Friday night dinner, Trump told reporters that Cook made a very compelling argument about how tariffs were making it more difficult for Apple. No shit. Uh, it seems likely that Apple will, be t will take a beating uh, from the next round of tariffs set to take effect on September 1st but so will everyone else. That doesn't make it better. According to an analysis from the investment bank, uh, JP Morgan, the next round of tariffs will cost the average household between $600 and $1,000 annually. And Apple figures it will be one of many well-known American brands that will take a hit. It's, it's funny that even after having dinner with a guy that is literally witnessing the the horrors of tariffs on the economy, a guy that has to put up with it firsthand, and having that guy explain to him that it is not doing well for the economy, Donald Trump still thinks that this is working. He still thinks that the tariffs on China is working. And it's it's bad that he thinks it's working so well that he could bail out this major company if he had to. You shouldn't have to bail these people out. You put them in this situation in the first place, you dumbass. If he just hadn't meddled with the economy, none of this would be happening. Apple would still be doing as well as they were and going about their business normally. But Donald Trump came in, fucked everybody, and now he broke their legs, he's giving them a crutch, and telling them to thank him that they can walk. That's all that's going on with this right now. It's, how do people get this stupid? How? Ugh. Okay, moving on. Our next article was posted by Josh Hare, Wednesday, October 20th, or October, August 21st. Uh, headline is, U.S. Marshals are arresting people in Texas who have outstanding student loans. That's not good. Uh, <clears throat> here's what the U.S. government says about the student loan you may have been tardy about paying back. If your loan is placed with a collection agency, you will be responsible for costs incurred to get payment. Uh, the holder of your loan can take other actions to collect as well. Those other actions involve withholding your tax refund or, in some cases, garnishing your wages. And this week in Texas, they began to involve federal agents in combat gear bursting into debtors' houses and arresting them. Huh. Huh. <laughs> That's what happened to Paul Aker. Uh, seven armed U.S. Marshals arrived at his door in Houston last Thursday arrested him on the spot, and took him to jail. He owed all of $1,500 outstanding since 1987. Aker told Fox 26 that without any warning, his 29-year-old debt was forcibly being collected 
the marshals took him to federal court and made him sign a payment plan. It was totally mind-boggling, Aker told Fox 26. Texas Congressman Gene Green, cool name, finally a cool name, Gene Green, but he's a congressman I gotta hate. Fuck you, Gene Green. Uh, Gene Green explained to Fox 26 that the federal government has been contracting out student loan collections uh, to private debt collectors who are allowed to deploy the U.S. Marshals as their enforcement arm. Uh, there's bound to be a better way to collect on student loan debt, said the congressman. Uh, around Houston, that better way involves 1,200 to 1,500 arrest warrants. Student debt is, is at an all-time high in the U.S., where students hold an average of $35,000 in federal debt, according to an analysis of government data on advisors. Advisors, with an E. Um, so that's a bunch of shit, because these student loan debts are already extremely predatory, uh, typically handing out tons of money to people they do not expect to be able to pay it back especially if they're going into a shit field with no mo with no room to move up and get even a little money. Um, so people go into debt naively, and they're, they're preyed on. They go into these bad debts, they have no foreseeable way of paying it off, and now in Texas, they will be arrested. Because that's, that's awesome. So, uh, turns out, going to college might send you to jail instead of keeping you out of it. Fun. Um, I, I think it's bullshit that they're getting a private company to pull the government in. That's obviously some bullshit collusion there, much, to, much like the unions were doing earlier, where they, uh, they're forcing their people to attend a government um, event, and now... They're in cahoots with the government to the point of using them as debt collectors. Like, hey, this guy didn't pay his debt from 29 years ago. What do you say you kick his door down and kidnap him for us? That's... The whole thing is not good. The private organizations and the public organizations are, are fading away the fine line. Well, it, it wasn't a fine line, but the line is getting a lot thinner, and it's fading away to the point that... Uh, the private market is effectively becoming an extension of the government. In some cases, in a lot of different industries, it already is. Um, the IRS is actually a private entity, not public. But it's it hurts to see this happening more, that the, uh, the private market is disappearing and becoming an extension of the government and the government an extension of the private market. This is not good. This is literally fascism. This is literally a facet of fascism. All right, our next article was posted by Jason Booth, Thursday, August 22nd. Uh, the headline is, Staff at a Houston-area school used a Sharpie to cover up a 7th grader's fade, saying it was a dress code violation. Now the family is suing. No shit they're suing. Earlier this year, three school staffers in the greater Houston area used a black Sharpie to forcibly color in a 13-year-old black student's haircut uh, the family, the boy's family alleges. Uh, the, the school said the student's shaved stylized fade was a dress code violation. Four months later, the student's family has filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against the school district, accusing it of discriminating against their son. 
The suit accuses the school employees of assault and violations of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. Um, the incident occurred at Barry Miller Junior High in Pearland, Texas. The student, 13-year-old 7th grader Jules Trice, or Jules Trice, not sure, I'm bad, goes by JT. I'll call him JT. Uh, has had received a fade haircut with the letter M shaved onto the side of his head. The lawsuit alleges the 7th grader was brought into the assistant principal's office where he was then told to go see the school's discipline clerk. A discipline clerk where they just hand out disciplines. Who oh boy. Uh, Day then pulled out a copy of the school dress code and told JT he was in violation of the rules, pointing out the section of the school's code, which reportedly said at the time, hair must be neat, clean, and well-groomed, according to KHOU. Um, the code goes on to say, extreme hairstyles, such as carvings, mohawks, spikes, etc., are not allowed. According to the lawsuit, Barcelona offered the 13-year-old a choice, take an in-school suspension, or let the assistant principal and Day cover his head in permanent marker. Without JT's consent, the suit alleges, Day began filling in the lines of the boy's scalp. Oof. Uh, sometime later, the suit alleges Barry Miller, junior high teacher Jeanette Peterson, walked by and joined in on the coloring. Ugh. The principal school discipline... The principal... Bleh. The principal, school discipline clerk, and teacher. That's a lot of weird titles. School discipline clerk. All laughed as they colored over Trice's head, according to the lawsuit. In a statement to ABC, JT's lawyer, Randall Kalinin, uh, said the boy was humiliated and that the Sharpie required days of scrubbing to finally come off. Rather than lose his job, Barcelona has since named the head principal at Trice's school. Oh. Wow. Uh, Insider could not confirm Barcelona's current employment status following the lawsuit. In a statement emailed to Insider two days after the lawsuit was filed, Peerland ISD's general counsel, Tanya Dawson, uh, did not comment on the specific accusations levied in the lawsuit or on the three teachers' employment statuses. So that just uh, furthers that school, public school, is just an indoctrination center. It's to teach you, it's not to teach you any relevant information that may help you in life. It is to teach you what the rules are and that you must follow them. Um, in this particular case, they humiliated him. The fact that they have a discipline clerk, which sounds like a very uh, prestigious and official title, literally come up with the solution of we're going to color your head with sharpies that's humiliating degrading and bullshit that that they did this all while laughing um they should be ashamed of themselves to say the very least um but this whole thing shouldn't have happened it's all a matter of they're trying to teach your children who is in charge and that they have no say, they have no autonomy over their own body, they have, they have nothing. As long as they are in the presence of an authoritative figure, they are to be a pawn, they are to be submissive, they are to do exactly as they are told, 
or suffer the consequences, whatever those may be, including, but not limited to, Sharpie all over your goddamn head. After you paid to get a fly-ass haircut, you get Sharpie all over your head and you look like a fool. And it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. I miss Sam right now. Don't mind me. So, after much longer than I wanted, <laughs> we're finally up to our wild card Joker, uh, coming up on the end of the first half. It was posted by Jason Booth, Wednesday, August 21st. <laughs> the Storm Area 51 event pushes rural Nevada County to declare emergency. Oh boy. Commissioners in Nevada's rural Lincoln County have voted to pre-sign an emergency declaration ahead of the Storm Area 51 raid event that's so far drawn more than 2 million RSVPs on Facebook. On Monday, the county board unanimously voted 4 to none uh, to approve the declaration in preparation for a mysterious affair that could draw thousands of curious visitors to the desert. Uh, we've... <laughs> We passed this with the caveat that uh, this may or may not happen. Uh, we're just trying to do the best we can to prepare for something we we know not of. We have no picking idea what we're going to face, if anything. California resident Maddie Roberts created the event called Storm Area 51. They can't stop us all. Uh, or sorry, they can't stop all of us. In June, after, after listening to an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, the tongue-in-cheek event scheduled for September 20th quickly generated millions of accepted invitations. Uh, Lincoln County is home to the town of Rachel, the self-proclaimed UFO capital of the world, uh, located on State Route 375, dubbed in 1996 the Extraterrestrial Highway. Uh, the actual Area 51 site is a classified military facility set inside a test and training range roughly the size of Connecticut. What? Intrigue surrounding uh, the impenetrable desert compound for decades has fueled conspiracy theories and local lore about what exactly goes on there. Uh, but it's a mystery that's now driving an unknown number of unknown people from unknown corners of the country to the Nevada uh, hinterlands. Lincoln County leaders are using this preemptive emergency declaration as a beacon to state officials that there's a chance more people will show up than local authorities can handle. Uh, an emergency declaration allows the state to supply resources in the event of, uh, in the event the outpost of 5,200 people needs help. It's a smart chess play, Phillips said. Uh, so they're scared, to say the least. I would say that the, the original title of the event holds true. They can't stop all of us. They're literally calling for reinforcements. They are scared to the point they're calling reinforcements for something that is effectively so far an internet meme. I personally don't think anything's going to happen of it, but I think it's funny that we got the the local government over there shaking in their boots, scared that millions of people are going to show up to boogaloo down in Area 51. Uh, I'm ready to see how this party goes. It could be a fun fucking time. I, I might drop everything I'm doing and go show up. Could be a good time. 
bring some popcorn, some marshmallows, some uh, 762 by 51 AP. It'd be a party. It'd be a fun party. I want to see this. This this is this is gold. <laughs> All right. So on that note, I'm gonna go ahead and call the first half done and go cry by myself because I have no Samuel and I need a co-host. I suck alone. I know you guys are hating this, so I'll be back soon. Uh, I need food. I need food. Toodaloo. Hey guys, it's James. And Samuel. And welcome to my Christian Minecraft server. <laughs> if you don't like it, leave. Alright guys, I am back and with twice as much suck as ever because Sam is absent and I have to compensate. I have to do something. So, moving on, our next article is posted by Jason Booth, Monday, August 19th. The headline is, Wilsonville mom who lost bid to treat daughter cancer with CBD, not surgery, turns self in. The grammatical errors hurt my brain. Uh, the article goes on to read, An Oregon mother at the center of the debate about a parent's right to refuse established medical advice has turned herself into authorities. Uh, Christina Gale Dixon, 35, is being held at Clackamas County Jail on suspicion of custodial interference and criminal mistreatment, records show. She is accused of, def of defying a court order to deliver her daughter, 13-year-old Kylie, to state care in order to prevent her from getting a surgery to remove a cancerous tumor from her liver. Kylie of Wilsonville is back in state custody and living with a foster family, the Oregonian slash Oregon Live reported on August 1st. The teen maintained that she does not want the surgery. Instead, she wants to resume the course of treatment her mom insists would work, CBD oil. A Clackamas County judge has ruled, however, that she wouldn't stand in the way of Kylie receiving surgery to remove the tumor, despite Kylie and her mother's objections. I'm not a doctor, said Judge Heather Karabaka. Okay. I let medical professionals handle what they think is most appropriate given their experience and knowledge. Kylie's mother claims that the CBD oil she gave her reduced the cancerous tumor by 90%, however, that has not been publicly verified by doctors. According to the state, Kylie has at least a 70% chance of stopping the cancer spread with surgery. Okay. Now, I'm not going to sit here and go over whether or not I think CBD oil is the best way to take care of a cancerous tumor on a 13-year-old's liver, uh, but it's her body and therefore her choice. You are free. You own your body. You choose what you do with that body. She's standing by her mother's decision, so her consent is valid in this. Her mother being the... Uh, I guess the spokesperson for the child in, in cases involving uh, the hospital also says they don't want the surgery. So neither of them is consenting to this, both the, the person whose consent matters and her steward being her mother. None of them are okay with this and the state is going to force it on them anyways. Um, now whether or not I think you know, their methods are going to work or not work is completely irrelevant. It's a matter of you are free to do what you want with your body. If they want to try a different method of treatment, they're free to do so. If it works or does not work, they have to be ready for whatever may come of it. If it does not work, the child has to be ready to die and the mother has to be ready to accept that she just killed her daughter. 
Um, if it does work, well, those doctors need to be ready to accept that maybe they're not that smart. Um, either way, it's, 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 it's an initiation of force against the consent of the person occupying this, this flesh bag. And that's not okay. They may mean well, they have the best intentions, but you, you have to let other people conduct themselves freely even if you disagree with it. And the state doesn't have time for all that. So moving on, our next article was posted by Josh Hare, Monday, August 19th. The headline is, oh boy, oh boy, we have a Florida man. Florida man has firearms rights taken away over mistaken identity. Well, to be fair, there are a lot of Florida men, and they're all crazy. All right, last Wednesday, Jonathan Carpenter of Osceola County? Osceola, okay, cool. Uh, Florida, was sitting at home when a mail carrier knocked on his front door. The postal carrier had Carpenter sign for a certified letter from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Carpenter signed for it, but he was confused because he was not expecting anything from the state. He quickly opened it and was floored. The Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services was notifying him that they have a suspended and uh, they have suspended his concealed handgun permit. Oh, the state says he can't conceal a handgun. Guys, he totally can't conceal a handgun. <laughs> on on or about August 12th, 2019, uh, in Os Osceola County, ugh, an injured or in an injunction was entered restraining you from acts of domestic violence or acts of repeat violations. The notice read, uh, the letter shot Carpenter, who has never had a run-in with the law. When I opened the letter, stating my CCW was suspended, I was shocked and confused. Figuring it was a mistake, Carpenter called the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services to clear things up since he has never committed domestic violence against anyone. The representative told him that uh, he had to get a form from the clerk of the courts saying that there weren't any actions against him. Uh, Carpenter headed to the clerk of the court's office to retrieve the required form. When he got there, the clerk informed him there was an injunction against Jonathan Edward Carpenter. Let's see, what do I have to do to prove you have the wrong Jonathan Edward Carpenter? He asked the clerk. The clerk instructed Carpenter to go downstairs to talk to the Osceola County Sheriff's Office to clear things up. Carpenter, still figuring that it was just a mistake that the Sheriff's Office could quickly clear up, went and spoke with him. The Sheriff's Office supplied Carpenter with a copy of the injunction. In the statement, the plaintiff stated that she rented a room out to Jonathan Edward Carpenter and his girlfriend. She alleged that this Carpenter was a drug dealer who broke her furniture and sold her belongings without her permission. He had a gun, and she feared for her life. She was not sure if the firearm was legal or not. Carpenter had never met the woman in question and never lived at any address listed in the restraining order. Moreover, uh, other than being white, he looked nothing like the man he, that terrorized uh, the woman. Let's see, the man in question uh, is 5'8", Carpenter is 5'11". The alleged drug dealer is 110 pounds, Carpenter is over 200. 
The man has black hair. Carpenter is completely bald. <laughs> Last but not least, the man in question is covered in tattoos. Carpenter only has a few. Uh, it was apparent that the police had the wrong man. Carpenter was in for his biggest shock yet. The sheriff's office told Carpenter he had to surrender his guns. Carpenter never even had as much as a hearing, yet he was losing his rights. The last thing on my mind was me having to turn over my gun. I was upset when the sheriff told me I needed to surrender my gun before any due process. <laughs> he would not be able to get them back until he goes to court so the woman can verify to the judge they have the wrong Jonathan Carpenter. Uh, he would then, or he would have to petition the court for the return of his firearms, an added expense that Carpenter would have to cover himself. A police officer I spoke to off the record uh, thinks that the courts ran a check for Jonathan Edward Carpenter with a concealed carry permit. Although he could not tell me for sure, he thinks that is what happened in this particular case. He did say this is a common practice. Oh! common practice that's going to get people's identities mixed up. Good stuff. Good job, Mr. Policeman. Uh, when I pressed the officer uh, of the likelihood of a drug dealer obeying Florida gun laws and getting a concealed handgun permit, <laughs> he agreed it probably isn't likely. He then stated that police and courts do not make mistakes all the time. Yes, they do. But he insisted that it is better to make mistakes than not do anything. No, it's not. Many agree with that point, and they shouldn't. Fuck, people are stupid. For many, this is an example of how the system is broken. No shit. Second Amendment advocates worry with the expansion of extreme risk protection orders. These situations will become more prevalent. Yes, they will. Currently, 17 states have these red flag laws on the books. 17, I was not aware it was that high. Uh, Florida passed the majority Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Act uh, in 2018. This is Florida's version of a red flag law. Although it isn't technically a risk protection order, many think cases like this highlight how red flag laws can be misused to disarm innocent people. For Carpenter, he has to wait until August 27th uh, for his day in court to start the process of getting his firearms back. To him, he had the presumption of innocence taken away. He is currently seeking legal counsel. Holy shit. Holy shit. Everything about this is wrong. Everything. As if it's not enough that the state allegedly has the power to take your guns away, they can take your guns away by accident and then charge you to get them back. Holy shit. This, oh my god, there is so much wrong with this. There's so much wrong. The, the common practice being that they'll just look up this name with, with this relevant data to the case, being that they thought he had a concealed carry permit, and then admitted that there was a low likelihood that a drug dealer was going to actually follow the law and have a concealed carry permit. Like, they, they went into that search knowing that they were going to get the wrong guy. They got the wrong guy. And they just won't own up to it and give him his shit back. They took his guns with no due process. The, the worst part is he gave them to them. He just, 
Oh, I have to give you my guns? Okay, here, take them. No, shoot them. Shoot them. They have no right taking your property. Shoot them. Period. God. It's a fucking statist circus. The whole damn thing. Honk fucking honk. God damn. Alright, moving on, because I, that, I could go on for that for a while. Moving on. Next one was posted by Samuel, who is still not with me, the bastard. Uh, Friday, August 23rd. The headline is, A police officer says he blacked out and fired his gun. Prosecutors say he killed his estranged wife. Whoops. Sometime after 11 p.m. on July 14th, Newark police officer Lieutenant John Formazano, more fun names, uh, went to the house he had shared with his since-estranged wife to drop off a pair of glasses for one of their children. He would later tell authorities. He remembers realizing that a male guest might be present. He said he blacked out. What came next, prosecutors say, was a rampage that ended with one woman dead, a man seriously wounded, and a Jefferson Township, New Jersey block traumatized by a killing on its doorstep. Morris County prosecutors have accused Formazano, 49 years old, of killing his wife, Christy Formazano, 37, and seriously wounding a man reported to be her boyfriend, whom authorities did not name. I hope they didn't. I figured his parents would name him. Uh, but Formazano has yet to make his first court appearance, which under New Jersey law typically happens within two days of a defendant being taken to jail. The prosecutor's office told the Washington Post on Thursday that he is in a hospital. According to the probable cause affidavit, the unidentified male victim told police that Formazano had called the house after 11 p.m. on July 14th and that Christie had seen the flare of a flashlight outside the residence. The Formazano's two children, both minors, uh, were in the house at the time. Christie left her bedroom and, uh, and locked the door behind her. Moments later, the male victim recalled he heard Christie yell, He's got a gun, call 911. Then he said he heard gunshots. Formazano broke into the bedroom, the man alleged, firing numerous times. The victim was struck in the thigh, hands, arm, and abdomen. Christie fled the house and attempted to seek refuge at a neighbor's, uh, the affidavit said. But there was no answer at the neighbor's door, and she couldn't get inside. A witness told police that she saw Formazano uh, on the neighbor's property and saw him fire a gun. When police arrived, they found Christie on the steps of the neighbor's front porch, dead from multiple gunshot wounds. Around 2 a.m., police caught up with Formazano about 30 miles away in a parking lot in Livingston, New Jersey, uh, where the Daily Beast reports he had been living with his mother. Oof! A handgun was found in his car. Uh, he agreed to speak to police and recounted that he went to the house, realized another man was there, and blacked out before firing his weapon numerous times at his wife and the man, the affidavit said. Formazanos were uh, in the process of divorcing when the shooting occurred. According to the affidavit, uh, Formazano had been going through marital problems uh, and he has been taking care of his mother who is battling serious health issues. James Stewart Jr. of Newark Fraternal Order of Police told New Jersey Advanced Media. Uh, 
but there was no indication of any violence uh, that any violence was being contemplated. Prosecutors have charged Formazano with first-degree murder, first-degree attempted murder, two counts of unlawful possession of a firearm with the intent to use it unlawfully, uh, and two counts of child endangerment. Newark Police spokesperson, uh, or sorry, spokesman, Mark Dilano confirmed that the 24 veteran, wow, 24-year veteran of the force was suspended without pay. It's a start. In ordinary circumstances, under New Jersey's reformed bail laws, Formazano would have made his first court appearance 24 to 48 hours after being taken to jail. At this hearing, a judge would decide whether the defendant should be detained. <laughs> According to the Morris County Prosecutor's Office, uh, the night of the killing, Formazano was arrested and held by the Jefferson Township Police, but he was taken to a hospital instead of jail. Formazano's attorney, Anthony J. Iacolo, strange names again, uh, said in a statement that his client is undergoing medical and psychiatric treatment and no court date has been set for his first appearance. So let me just kick this off with 40% uh, of police officers beat their wives. Uh, this one shoots them. That's... Uh, that's not a surprising twist at all. I think it's funny he, he says he blacked out. Okay, you know what you were doing. You knew you were mad, and you knew what you had every intention of doing, and that was killing your wife. It's easier and cheaper than divorce, and hell, he was probably really mad that some other guy was giving her the dick. <sighs> when, when will police start to behave like normal fucking humans? It's not going to happen. So the next article posted by myself, uh, Thursday, August 22nd, the headline is Three New York Police Department Officers Injured by Cop-Hating Mob. Pretty short article. Pretty fun article. Three officers were injured by cop-hating mobs outside Brooklyn Housing Projects early Sunday morning, according to the New York Post. Uh, the report said some of the minor injuries suffered by the police officers were caused by airmail, or objects tossed from rooftops of the Marcy Houses in Bedford Stuyvesant? Stuyvesant, I don't know. At least six gunshots were heard from the rooftop of the housing project, which caused police to run towards gunfire. Good. They hear guns, they run towards them. That is the exact opposite of where you should run if you want to live. <laughs> uh, eight people have been arrested in connection with the melee, the report said. Uh, anger may have been sparked by cops earlier using pepper spray to disperse crowds who were gathered for Marcy Day, an annual celebration at the housing project, residents told the post. I couldn't help but post this one. I, it, it always does me good seeing people uh, being mean to cops and rioting and protesting and in general causing them pain and discomfort. Um, <laughs> as shown by the previous article, uh, the cops don't mind hurting and killing other people, so why should we mind hurting and killing them? So moving on, next article was posted by Sam, uh, Friday, August 23rd. The headline is, Officer dragged nearly 50 feet after teen throws car in reverse, slams into tree during traffic stop. 
the Gloucester Township police officer? Yeah. A Gloucester Township police officer was hospitalized Wednesday night after a teen put his car into reverse and dragged him nearly 50 feet before crashing into a tree in a hotel parking lot. That should tell you everything you need to know, but the article goes on. The incident, which was captured on surveillance footage from the hotel, led to the arrest of the teen who was driving and his 17-year-old passenger, according to a statement from the Gloucester Township Police Department. Officer Craig Walsh was on patrol in the Howard Johnson Hotel on North Black Horse Pike in the township when he saw one of the teens running from the hotel into the passenger side of the car that was parked in the middle of the driveway with its lights off, police said. Walsh then put his police vehicle's lights on and then went to the still open passenger door of the car and saw two 17-year-olds inside. While he was speaking with them, the driver suddenly started the car, put it in reverse, and accelerated backwards while Walsh leaned over uh, with half his body in the car. <laughs> Walsh was pinned and dragged about 50 feet before the driver smashed into a tree and ran over his, uh, his right foot. Oh, God, that's good. The body camera footage released by police. Walsh can be heard asking, what are you doing? as the team began to turn his car on and then screaming as he was dragged. Yes, I want to see this. Uh, Walsh called for assistance and was able to keep the two men from leaving the car before his backup arrived and arrested them. Aw, man. Uh, Walsh was taken to Cooper Hospital in Camden where he was, where he was treated for bruises and injuries to his head, arm, ankle, and knee, officials said. Uh, the driver was also taken to the hospital as a precaution for a minor injury. <sighs> I'm getting tired, guys. <laughs> for a minor injury from the crash. Uh, was treated and released. And was lodged in Camden Co County Juvenile Detention Center along with his passenger, police said. Police found about five ounces of marijuana, a, a distribution scale, and narcotics-related packaging materials after these searched after they searched the car, according to the statement. They literally put the instead of they. Fucking idiots. See, both teens were charged with aggravated assault of an officer, which isn't a crime, if you ask me. Assault by auto, money laundering, also not a crime. And various drug offenses, also not a crime. Uh, the driver was also charged with eluding and with eluding, and police said other charges could be filed following more investigation by police and the Camden County Prosecutor's Office. He didn't commit any crimes. He just hurt an officer who wouldn't mind his own business. Fuck the police. Fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. Let's see. I'm sorry if I'm skimming through this. I'm, it's, it's getting late. I am tired. But I must soldier on. I don't know why I chose to use the word soldier. I'm sorry. Let's see, this one was posted by Samuel, Monday, August 19th. Uh, the headline is, New York Police Department officer accused of choking Eric Garner five years ago has been fired. Wow, it only took five fucking years. Let's see. The New York police officer accused of fatally choking Eric Garner in 2014 has been fired and will not receive his NYPD pension, 
uh, Commissioner James O'Neill said Monday. It is clear that Daniel Pantaleo can no longer effectively serve as a New York City police officer. Uh, officer Pantaleo was found guilty in a disciplinary trial earlier this month of using a chokehold on Garner, the New York man whose final words, I can't breathe, became a rallying cry for the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, the departmental administrative judge officially recommended Pantaleo be fired. Fucking good. Let's see. O'Neill, an officer for 34 years, cited that recommendation repeatedly in his uh, announcement on Monday, but he said the decision to terminate Pantaleo was still not easy. Sure, sure. Uh, had I been in Pantaleo's situation, I may have made similar mistakes. You fucking what now? What? Uh, O'Neill said contributions uh, Pantaleo has already made towards his pension will be returned to him. Uh, O'Neill said Pantaleo was not informed of his dismissal ahead of time and that he had no plans to speak with him. So just, he's going to show up to work one day and be like, hey, you don't work here anymore. What do you mean I don't work here anymore? Didn't you hear? You got fired. <laughs> Pantaleo has been suspended pending the commissioner's decision, uh, the NYPD spokesman said. Still, Pantaleo was found not guilty of restricting Garner's breathing, a charge that had more to do with Pantaleo's intent, the judge wrote. Uh, during the departmental trial, lawyers for Pantaleo argued that Garner's neck was in the crook of his elbow and there was no pressure on his windpipe, but rather on the sides of his neck, constituting a sleeper hold. Uh, but Maldonado, Maldonado ruled that while he was on top of Garner, he could have used a different tactic not banned by the NYPD. Yeah, you could use literally anything else. Um, Mandelano felt Pantaleo's use of the move was reckless, writing that Pantaleo's egregious misconduct led to the deadly consequences his training anticipated and which the probation... Uh, was designed to prevent. The report concluded with a recommendation of termination. Good. Accordingly, his this tribunal finds that there is only one appropriate penalty for the grave misconduct that yielded an equally grave result. Uh, respondent can no longer remain a New York City police officer, she wrote. On Monday, O'Neill said she agreed with the content of her decision in announcing the firing. Despite the disciplinary trial, Pantaleo has avoided criminal charges in the death. Um, a grand jury in New York declined to indict the officer in 2014, and the city of New York settled with Garner's estate for $5.9 million in 2015. The Justice Department declined to bring federal civil rights charges last month. Well... I would say better late than never, but holy fuck. Like, after five years, what else could he have possibly done? This... They're fucking lazy. You know if it was anybody else that did, did something like that to a cop, they would have been locked away for life, no trial, no nothing, just boom, straight to jail, uh, no questions, do not pass go, do not collect $200. But, you know, a cop kills someone... A fucking viral video comes of it. A rally cry comes of it because this cop is a piece of shit and it takes them five years to make any kind of official decision on it. 
five years. I'm glad the fucker got fired. I hope he fucking dies next. If I have to be the one to shoot him, I'd like to be. Sam's not here to say it's a joke, so I have to say it's a joke. Guys, that's a joke. But, um... It's, it's, it's bullshit that he's going to get away with this. I mean, yeah, he got fired. There's other jobs. He'll get another job, probably somewhere else as a cop again, and do the same shit. They keep getting off, and nobody cares to stop them. Next one was posted by Samuel on Monday, August 19th. The headline reads, China state media compared Hong Kong's protests to the Holocaust. What? Over the past 11 weeks of protests, China has become increasingly strident in its condemnation of Hong Kong's demonstrators. In recent days, officials have decried, uh, decried? decried the protests as showing signs of terrorism, while state news agency Xinhua uh, has called protesters cockroaches. Meanwhile, information control within China has led to the spread of disinformation about the protests. But a post shared on Twitter over the weekend by CCTV, uh, the state broadcaster, not uh, closed-circuit television, it's the state broadcaster, well, in China it may as well be the same thing, ha, uh, took the criticism to a whole new level by insinuating that actions uh, by Hong Kong protesters were on par with the violence of Germany's Nazis. China Daily also shared the same poem. Uh, the posts came after protesters at Hong Kong's airport were criticized last week for tying up and beating hmm, two men suspected of being undercover mainland agents or police. The post was written in the style of a famous poem by Martin Neimler, an anti-Nazi German pastor who openly opposed Adolf Hitler and was sent to concentration camps. His poem, First They Came, describes how different sectors of society failed to speak up against the Nazi regime, uh, such that when the secret police eventually came for him, there was no one left to speak out for me. Online academics and journalists uh, were quick to criticize CCTV's post as unsurprisingly uh, fatuous, bizarre, and making Nomler turn around in his grave. Uh, or sorry, Nymler turn around in his grave. It's a weird name. I'm getting a lot of those today. This sucks. Uh, for the comparison between an atrocity in which six million people were murdered and a movement in which there have been no deaths and that represents a stand against authoritarianism. Hundreds of thousands have marched on the city streets peacefully since June, initially to call for the withdrawal of a uh, reviled extradition bill, but protesters are now seeking an inquiry into allegations of police brutality and democratic reforms. Yesterday, August 19th, 1.7 million demonstrated, according to organizers. So... It's really just uh, China's authoritarian government doing what authoritarian governments do best. Uh, prop up anyone fighting for freedom and make an example out of them and make them a boogeyman. They are demonizing the Hong Kong protesters while the Hong Kong protesters are protesting in their own best interests for 
their idea of freedom. I don't necessarily agree with democracy, but they're protesting for the change that they want. And China, or the Chinese government, doesn't want the Chinese people getting any ideas. So they are demonizing them, comparing them to uh, Nazis and such, and trying to make the whole thing look really bad. They're trying to paint a bad picture of fighting for freedom. They're over there fighting for their own freedom, and they said, you know, that's bad. No, no, don't be doing that. So uh, it's funny that they tried making that comparison, how wildly inaccurate it was. But uh, China does not like uh, freedom, and they have shown that in their bizarre accusations of comparing them to the Holocaust. Funny shit. Oh boy! Oh boy! I am finally on the last article for the week. It is our Ace Wild Card. Uh, posted by Jason Booth, Friday, August 23rd. I'm just going to say really quick, I am tired. It's almost midnight, you guys. I'm doing this episode by myself. Somebody send help. Send food. I'm dying. Anyway, whew, had to get a cry for help out. Uh, the headline of our last article being the ace wild card is Trump admin is considering using Amazon Echo and Apple Watch to determine if citizens should own a gun. This is the Orwellian future we were warned of, people. The article goes on to read, the Trump administration is considering a proposal that would use Google, Amazon, and Apple to collect data on users who exhibit characteristics of mental illness that could lead to violent behavior, the Washington Post reported Thursday. The proposal is part of an initiative to create a Health Advanced Research Projects Agency, HARPA, uh, which would be located inside the Health and Human Services Department. Um, the report notes, citing sources inside the administration. The new agency would have a separate budget, and the president would be responsible for appointing its director. HARPA would take after Defense, uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, which... Harpa-Darpa, <laughs> which serves as the research arm for the Pentagon. The idea was first crafted in 2017, but has since gotten a renewed push after mass shootings killed 31 people in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio in August. 31. That's it? Ah. Anyway, mo moving on before I go too far into that, <laughs> uh, the Suzanne Wright Foundation approached the president recently and proposed the agency include a project called Stopping Aberrant Fatal Events by Helping Overcome Mental Extremes or Safe Home. What? The report notes. Uh, <laughs> safe Home. Oh, man. The report notes, citing two people familiar with the matter. Uh, Harper would develop breakthrough technologies with high specificity uh, and sensitivity for early diagnosis of neuropsychiatric violence, according to a copy of the proposal. A multi-modality solution 
uh, along with real-time data analytics, is needed to achieve such accurate diagnosis. The document lists several technologies that could be employed to help collect information, including Apple Watches, Amazon Echo, and Google Home. Uh, Joffrey Ling, uh, the lead scientific advisor on HARPA, told reporters Thursday the plan would, would require enormous amounts of data and scientific rigor. He added, everybody would be a volunteer. We're not inventing new science here. We're analyzing it so we can develop new approaches. The White House declined to provide the Daily Caller News Foundation with a statement, but sources told WAPO <laughs> uh, that Trump had, has reacted very positively to the proposal. It is unclear if he has seen the safe home idea. Google and Amazon also have not responded to the DCNF's request for comment. So this is this is literally turning into in-depth privacy invasion, uh, surveillance and monitoring of each individual. Fortunately, I don't have any of those products, but um, it's getting to the point that it is deep surveillance of everyone for a mental assessment, for a psychiatric assessment. You have to, and it's not, it's not just any psychiatric assessment. It's do you meet the government's standards? The government's standards can be ridiculous and change drastically and crazily and randomly. They'll take your guns away for whatever the fuck reason they want. You could, you could say fuck the police enough and they'll take your guns away for thinking you might shoot a cop. Uh, which is a good thing I don't have these products or they would try to uh, take guns from me, which I would then show them why that is a bad idea. I recommend you all show them why that is a bad idea. I also recommend you do not invest in these mentioned products being uh, Apple Watch, uh, Amazon Echo, and Google Home. Do not get these considering that uh, the whole thing is still kind of murky and there is no comment from the corporations involved. That seems pretty bad. So I would recommend you stay away from these products so as to avoid mass surveillance unless having the government watch you very closely is your kink, in which case I won't kink shame you. Have fun with that boot up your ass. Um, but it's, uh, I, I don't see how people are not seeing this is literally some 1984 shit. This is literally uh, determining whether or not people are, are committing thought crime. It's this, this, it was supposed to be a dystopian novel of things not to do, not a fucking instruction manual. And now here we are with things literally uh, taking place. They are, it's literally happening. Oh my fucking God, guys, it's actually happening. I don't know if I should be scared or excited that I live in such a time that this is actually happening. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> I I am I am too tired to carry on. I'm uh whew. That's been your week of Anjo. Uh with just me, no Sam. I know it's probably our shittiest episode yet, but uh you get what you get. We fucking suck. Have a good week and don't forget uh this weekend we'll be having an interview. Sam is going to be out of time or out of town. So by we, I mean I will be having an interview. Um, 
once Sam's work clears up a little more, we should stay consistent. It should just be this week. I'm not sure. But uh, that about wraps it up. You guys have a fun time listening to me yammer on. I'm going to go to bed.